century. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Bass Edge Nation, welcome to the July 15 episode of Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, super great to be back on the mic, man. There's so much going on in the industry, and I got to ask you, you know, you just come off a great little trip yourself. How was Costa Rica? Uh, it was great on many levels, Kurt. You know, one thing just to somewhat be uh, be traveling again, but certainly Costa Rica uh, so many microclimates, which I think we're going to allude to uh, some of the ecosystem discussion, but not to go too far into detail. But, uh, you know, just the wildlife, the nature. We spent some time around the Arenal Volcano and then also uh, further south um, in Capos. Uh, but the people, the people were just absolutely amazing. So eight days down there. One thing I didn't see a lot of, Kurt, was a, a lot of uh, MegaWare keel guards on the vessels that we saw. But that's that's a little different application down there. But uh, as always, Mark, uh, a market to grow in. <laughs> yeah, grow. yeah, man. Maybe I could I could write that off tax wise because I was doing market research, perhaps you know. But uh, certainly, as we've mentioned many times, Bass Edge Radio is brought to all of us. Um, I make aware keel guard, the first do-it-yourself keel protector. So be sure, put on the protection the pros pick. Visit keelguard.com. Kurt, uh, some interesting things, right? Uh, Champlain and uh, St. Lawrence River, two, uh, I wouldn't even call them surprises anymore because we talk a lot about these two individuals. Yeah, no surprises here at all. Brian Schmidt, great friend of mine, great friend of the show, been on several time, winning Champlain. I had Brian picked in my fantasy. I knew that he went up there pre-practice, and, and it was very important for him to do well in this event, to stay up in the AOI, try to capture that classic qualification. Now with one event left happening this week on the St. Lawrence River, it's going to be exciting to watch that go down and all those classic qualifications. But uh, Brian is a grass expert champlain a grass fishery particularly in the largemouth category that catapulted him to a couple of huge bags day one and two over 21 pounds then just kind of held on there with some nice smally action right down to the wire caught a fish aaron with uh i don't know 30 20 minutes left that uh, <laughs> victory over keith Combs. so it was interesting but, well uh, uh perhaps hey. the campers you know obviously you're coming off of just uh the last official session of kids camp and uh yeah maybe they can get on picking the right one for the upcoming St. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, maybe for those elite guys. And I'm sure they were all watching Jacob Wheeler win the Bass Pro Tour event there just a couple weeks ago as well. Right after uh, our last episode, that whole thing went down. And Aaron, you know, Jacob Wheeler, just a phenomenal angler, well ahead now in the BassFan.com world rankings. Easily the number one ranked angler in the world over the last couple of years and uh, just seems to keep increasing that lead. You know, employed some really cool tactics to catch fish quickly, and uh, we are going to get Jacob on in the next episode. Uh, at least that's my goal, Aaron. <laughs> my goal is to get him on in the next episode, and uh, hopefully we can break down uh, Jacob, what he's doing to be so successful, finding locating fish faster than the other 79 anglers there in the Bass Pro Tour. So that'll be fun to listen to. Yes, it will be. Um, quickly wanted to uh, have you touch on kids camp there in new york uh yeah you went from one end of the country right in texas based there and the session up north can you give us a little sneak peek on yeah. what took place and just kind of the the thirty thousand foot view there absolutely aaron so our third session we had up in new york uh this is the third year we've been in new york this is the earliest we've had it finished up on july 10th believe it was and man it all runs together when you're at camp it's a it's a 4 30 a.m to 10 30 p.m daily excitement honestly and uh, it's great to watch those campers catch smallmouth and largemouth oneida lake a great 50 50 lake it's going to be a Bassmaster open event there later this month at the end of july early august so that'll be fun to watch but uh camper came out on top with uh, 11 and a half pounds for three fish that was the uh, winning wow. weight at the tournament culmination. But, uh, I mean, it's so good to, to be able to uh, instruct these young anglers 
on smallmouth fishing, particularly still in a vegetation or deep water, mid-depth, I would say, environment there on Oneida. But you can do the power fishing for smallmouth, obviously the largemouth as well, or, you know, the finesse style, deeper drop shotting, tube dragging, those types of things. So uh, Oneida Lake's always great and, and huge shout out to the instructors that we have there at camp. Had several MLF Pro Circuit anglers, a couple of local steadfast guides up in that region. So, I mean, the New York camp is growing. We had 22 campers this year, and it continues to uh, just be a great platform for uh, smallmouth fishing and, and just kind of teaching also on a natural lake. So, I think it's a great program. The campers obviously really enjoy it. Parents, man, there's, it's always smiles, and uh, the campers can't stop talking about it once they go home. Yeah, uh, I saw the social media pics, and they looked amazing, and I know that, uh, you know, not only did they have fun, but they learned a lot and probably picked up numerous tips uh, from the instructors. Yeah, yeah, it's a great time. And we're going to go into a protecttheharvest.com tackle tip, Aaron. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to continue with Bass Edge Radio. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with BASS Elite Series Pro, Jake Whitaker. Hey guys, this is Jake Whitaker. We are right in the middle of summertime, but one of my favorite ways to catch that biggest bass of the summer is fishing shallow. And one way to do that is by skipping docks. My three favorite baits for skipping docks in the summertime is one, a half ounce Archie style jig with a big bite bait Yo Daddy trailer. Also, a half ounce chatterbait with a swim bait on there. And you can't leave home without your wacky rig, your five inch big bite bait uh, trick stick. I throw my jig on 17 pound P-line tackle four carbon. I'm fishing this when the water's clear and you've got a few brim around. I'll then switch over to a vibrating jig, chatterbait style bait. Whenever those fish are feeding on shad or you've got a little wind, something that you can run and fish as many docks as possible. And then I'll reach for my Wacky Rig Senko, my five inch trick stick from Big Bite Bait. Whenever we've got some brim on the bed, I've got a shallow dock, anything five foot or less, I'm reaching for that Wacky Rig. So guys, Get out there this year and get you some dock skipping baits, that jig, chatterbait, and a Cinco, and I think you're going to have a lot of success. Great tip, Jake. Brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. I must say, we got a little press there on the MLF BFL stage, I guess, and, and hit the, uh, the press <laughs> release. Good friend of Bass Edge, Mr. Chris Bunk, won the amateur side uh, back in June on Truman. He actually beat all the pros, too, from the back of the boat, which was that's oh, wow. a different story. But, uh, yeah, sporting the, the Bass Edge gear in full swing. That is awesome, man. He's got that new lucky hat. And if you don't have your lucky Bass Edge gear yet, you can get that out there on the website. We got two different styles of shirts. We've got uh, the hat, a Richardson 112 hat. I mean, quality stuff we got there, Aaron, sporting the uh, Bass Edge insignia and uh, apparently it wins tournaments yes I, <laughs> just not for me <laughs> so anyway but no well it, i wore mine quite a bit and i do seem to catch bigger and better bass when i'm sporting those. yeah i've got to say I, at least you know I'm, I'm setting inside the top 40 so it does have some luck so anyway for sure let's talk about that real quick you know that bfl aaron truman high water event 
right? And after last episode, we talked in some of our segments about Jokpo Galeli over there on the Potomac River, my ex-home body of water when I was living in Virginia. But uh, a lot of different things, ecosystems go by and change and high water and how that's affecting. I remember you put some uh, really good strategy into effect there, knowing that the water was high, yet it was dropping, seeing some of those outside bushes, and and that really kind of helped catapult you into a quality finish. Yeah, and, um, you know, the the whole ecosystem discussion like you speak of, you know, Truman is one of those lakes that I hadn't been on in 13 years uh, just because of tournament schedules, things like that, but it's also a lake historically i do have quite a bit of time on it but it's not a lake kurt that i go there like you know two weeks in advance or i'm trying to gather all of this information prior to hitting the boat ramp just because it is a flood control lake and the water fluctuation is relative to the body of water i can i can remember one of our guests was talking right i think it was matt airy maybe talking about what Yes. is the water fluctuation relative to the body of water that you're on. And that's one of those situations to where I quickly figured out it was coming down by looking at the generation schedule. It's about four to five inches a day. So that meant, you know, all of those real shallow bushes, by the time uh, three days of practice, the tournament actually started, you know, some of those bushes are going to be high and dry. So I really felt it was a current situation for me personally. Obviously, some guys caught them differently, but I was targeting those deeper bushes out on points and essentially, uh, you know, picked up a a jig and then uh, of course going to that Brett Height special right the uh <laughs> chatterbait the, <laughs> the evergreen and uh you know that's how I was able to kind of come in and, and certainly get well within the check line and kind of keep me inside of the I think I'm I don't know I think I'm setting 36 there's 30 seconds something like that with one tournament to go so yes and in good position to qualify for that regional that's gonna be fun to watch and, and I wanted to mention you kind of talked about the Matt Airy deal that's exactly uh where some of that high water information we just had recently so folks, be sure to uh, listen to that Matt Airy podcast that we just had uh, July 1. He talks about how he did well in the classic with the high water conditions, something that you see kind of early to midsummer a lot of times, not so much late summer. Usually, you know, things get a little bit drier later in the summer, especially now, you know, moving into late July and, and soon to be August and September, you know, just weather gets a little bit drier. But also, Aaron, with the Jockpo deal and the Potomac River, not only can ecosystems change rapidly with high, low water, those types of things, but how wild can they change over time with just environmental ecosystem changes, in this case, the grass on the Potomac River? Yeah, I mean, what a great point, and I'm I'm anxious to kind of hear your take on it. I've been fortunate, actually, I spent quite a bit of time up there with you, but obviously not nearly as much time as what you have. So, what have you seen? I mean, is it is it more of a scenario like rivers that I'm familiar with? You know, they silt in, and it kind of changes with that respect. But you know, I got to admit, Kurt, the only grass I'm familiar with is in my front lawn, and there's just a lot <laughs> of it in Missouri. Yeah, understandably so. And uh, the grass scenario is really the stuff style of grass and the type of grass, I should say, has changed on the Potomac. And it's really altered the way the fish eat, how they relate to the grass, and when are those better feeding zones. You hear us talk about it, whether it's on the Sabine, the Cal Delta, St. John's River, uh, Hudson River, any of the, you know, Upper Chesapeake, any of these tidal fisheries, generally the last couple hours of, of outgoing tide is really primo. And it's still good on the Potomac in certain situations. But man, a lot of the new big grass flats it's not necessarily cover that's over top of the fish's head anymore it's a lot of cover that's just more of ground what i would maybe call ground or subsurface sitting so kind on of like the stems and stalks that's coming yes. up but it doesn't necessarily have the canopy exactly right and it really cleans the water uh it's much cleaner the potomac is much cleaner now than it used to be in a lot of these areas and uh, what the big educational point is is being able to adapt to different ecosystems is really, really important. It's not always going back to the same old, same old, but as your fishery changes, no matter how it is, whether you're living in Table Rock and, and the water's increasing and dropping or, or Truman like you had at the BFL or I see, you know, here with grass changing on the Potomac River, it's always important to make those adjustments and really be detailed analytically to what the fish are doing and how they're relating to cover in certain circumstances. And not fish the past. 
fast, right? Because it, that is you know, if it's changing, right? You got it. So, Aaron, that's the big takeaway from that ecosystem changing, the high water changing, and, and how all that really comes together. Be sure to really follow whatever tournament you might be going to. Or if it happens to be your home lake and you just fish it week in, week out, it's not easy to see on a short-term basis. But long-term, if you go away for a little bit and come back, you know, you're going to see some of these changes and, and be sure to, uh, to uh, adjust them accordingly. So, Great And talking about – yeah, Aaron, talking about adjusting accordingly, we're going to adjust into our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight right here. We've got another great angler, you know, one of the best from the West. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Nation angler Justin Kerr coming up in just a moment. I am Bassmaster Elite Series Angler Patrick Walters. This is MLF Pro Circuit Angler Trevor Fitzgerald. This is BASS Elite Series Pro Brandon Polony. I am MLF Big Five Pro Circuit Angler Graybuck. This is 2020 BASS Angler of the Year Clark Winland. Stay right here for more Bass Ed Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Today's show has one of the West's very best. He stayed away from the national scene for most of his career, although popped out with a top five performance at the past 2021 Bassmaster Classic, and he was representing the Bass Nation anglers. If you're from the West, you're wondering why probably he hasn't made the shift to fishing the big national circuits. Uh, he's standing in the check line in most tournaments he fishes. Super stoked to have him on the show. Evergreen pro angler Justin Kerr. Thanks for being with us today, Justin. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Like Kurt said, looking forward to diving off into this. Nice work at the Classic, by yeah. the way. You know, I thought you were going to take the win for the BASS Nation Anglers. And what was your experience like there in, in Fort Worth, you know, this past June coming away with the fourth place finish? It's an amazing, you know, opportunity just to be there and fish against those guys. And, you know, first of all, to see uh, Hank win back-to-back Classics, uh, I always seen that, you know, besides Jordan Lee. Uh, and that shows the perspective. I mean, I really would doubt after Jordan that it it's going to take a really long time, but that just shows how amazing Hank is and how good he is. So, you know, he made himself a legend uh, this week. So to see that is pretty incredible. But the classic experience overall was just amazing. Well, amazing tournament Bass put on and to represent the nation. There's not many people that get that opportunity. So it was pretty incredible. So, uh, just I got to ask, after the success on the national scene, very well placed out west and dominant out there, you know, got a U.S. Open win, Toyota Series win out there, uh, lots of top tens. Does this success and, and this feeling, the emotion of the classic, does it push you a little closer to maybe making that trip out east a little more often to get on that national scene? Uh, yeah, you know, of course, you always have that drive and some things, you know, just don't happen when you want them to. And uh, that's just the way life is. And, you know, I'm, I just turned 40 and, you know, I'm not too old yet. So if I could uh, get out there maybe and have another chance at it, you know, I probably would for sure. And, you know, fishing these opens this year, maybe, you know, things go smooth. You, you just make it. So, you know, I don't push things and I've always been like that. I just kind of never really pushed the way I should want to go. I just feel if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen. So, you know, that's just kind of how I do it. Let's run with that real quick. Do you feel that that mindset and that approach to life serves you well in, in fishing, Justin? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we're fishing against a living creature. We don't know everything. And, 
you know, there's guys that do know a lot of stuff, but most of all, they're, they have just a natural ability to know what to do when. And, uh, you know, I just feel that you can't really push things. You know, you just, if it's meant to go right, it goes right. You lose some fish, everyone loses them. And my whole thing was, you know, you fish perfect all the time. And if you do fish perfect, you're going to have that opportunity to win a lot. So, yeah, I don't really stress out. Uh, I, this was actually the first time in a tournament I've been stressed and nervous a little bit. And it was actually the first day. The first day I was nervous. The rest of the tournament I wasn't. So we're fishing for a living and you can't ask for that. You know, I mean, there's people that sacrifice a lot of things in their lives to let us bass fish. So, you know, I just keep that in my mind and I've always been like that. I don't push things, you know, so just the way it is. I like it, man. Justin, you called out a couple of main lures in that classic success. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Evergreen, a longtime supporter of yours. I, I've watched Absolutely. you from afar, from a long ways. I, I, I got to let you know, oh. you got the gift, obviously. Uh you know, more people should know Justin Kerr. And that's that's really why yeah. I wanted to have you specifically on the oh. podcast. I'm like, i got to get this guy on. He's a bass okay. nut. And, a, you know, he's just all in. And, and I really like that. So long story short is uh, go back through the classic stealth jackhammer. One of the lures you called out as, as mm-hmm. primary success. And also, you know, you had that custom rat that you used over there at Ray Roberts. Can you give us a percentage of bass you weighed in and you caught maybe on each lure effectively over there at Ray Roberts? Yeah. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, the first day I used a stealth blade to catch uh, three of the five I weighed in, and the other two I caught uh, flipping a jig. That's how I caught my fish the first day, and uh, so there's a couple on the stealth blade. Second day, I flipped the jig, and I caught that first big one, and that kind of got me going, which was a seven-pounder, and uh, I just kept moving down the bank, just, you know, fishing real slow and throw through the area because the big ones were biting. I saw another one that was like eight or nine pounds, so <laughs> I just kept moving, and uh you know, we didn't have much time. And so yeah, I just got the big delay that, that day, right? Yeah, big delay with the, the weather. So I just picked up uh, just a normal jackhammer, three eighths, and I caught another big one on that. And, uh, you know, the only reason I was throwing that rat uh, in practice, I actually had a bunch of big bites. That's how I found the area. But the weather was really calm in the mornings every day. And that rat, you have to have calm weather for it to really catch them. And I very caught very little in you know, weather that's, you know, windy or even rainy, they have to feel it and hear it. So the last day was perfect for it. And I threw it thinking I was going to get some bites and uh, never got bit. But that whole area, I think that I was fishing, just that general area was just dead. And I had to move uh, just to get bit on the final day out of that cove into another little cove nearby. And I just picked up the, just a normal 3H jackhammer just to make them react. It was, you know, there was no wind and um, that's the only way I was catching them really. So I had to pick that up. And I think I flipped one on that jig and I went old school and put a piece of pork on there on the jig uh, that Uncle Josh finally came back out with some pork. So I uh, picked up the pork and put that on my jig. Oh, that's awesome. Well, let's take a little bit deeper dive into the rat. What times of year does the lure work for you? And quite honestly, can you go through some of the differences between the custom rats versus the manufactured rats, let's say like Spro, you know, manufacturers? Yeah, so um, fishing that type of rat, you know, it's a wake bait and it's a big profile, you know, kind of a swim bait mindset. So for me, the best times have always been early spring into summer and the best around uh, bluegill beds. For some reason, if the brim beds are up, I don't know why they eat it. I don't know if muskrats dive down, eat eggs. I have no idea. But when there's brim beds around, that's when it seems to be the best for me. And uh, I've thrown it for quite a while. I uh, was introduced to it by Art Berry, an old fisherman yeah. from the West that had major uh, wins out here and stuff. And uh, He's a top 150 guy. I remember Art Berry. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he showed me that a long time ago. And uh, it's just been something I've used. And uh, I won the California Open on it. And uh, that was around brim beds. And I catch two six pounders every day on it in the morning. So, you know, it just catches bigger fish. And, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ones. And, you know, I, I have a couple custom ones that in a tournament you want efficiency. You know, you want to be able to cast, move the bait quick, you know, cover water a lot. Some other ones are really good twitch baits, you know, fishing just for certain guys just go, I want to catch a 10 pluser. You know, those are the ones you twitch and fish slow. So there's, you know, just so many different ones. And uh, the ones that I've used are, you know, ones that are efficient in a tournament. 
and that's a big difference. You know, like I said, fishing big swim baits, some are floaters and, you know, you catch big fish on just floating swim bait, but you don't get many bites and that's not great for a tournament, you know, and we all know how tournament fishing is with big swim baits, you either catch them or not. So it's yeah, kind of like that. Rope, and, right. <laughs> right. And that, that's what I did in the classic the last day. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's just what I thought to do was right. And they were obviously biting top water because guys got them good on the last day on frogs and stuff. And yeah. usually they would bit that thing i mean i had at least six bites in practice and i only caught one of them and it was a six plus so i figured i at least get one or two bites on it but i think the area i chose in the morning was just wrong but that's where you got to go back to where you're doing good in the tournament so you know it's just it is what it is and that's how i fished it but i never really caught one in the tournament on that but that's what i chose to try to get it done you know so the rat thing intrigues me a lot i remember several years ago there was this rat coming out party there was a mm -hmm. couple tournaments the rat was a big deal but it you know it fizzled out really fast but uh mm -hmm. you, you know i saw it on the lures and i was like oh dude he was throwing the rat that's freaking killer because you know it's not a common lure that you see no. throwing very much do you throw it a lot at havasu oh yeah of course you know it's that's one of the places we have a lot of muskrats and especially this time of year we don't have a lot of you know big tournaments but we have a lot of like Wednesday nighters and yeah, I've caught them on it for years. It's, it's not as good as it used to be because a lot of guys throw it now, but okay. like I said, you know, it's, it's one of those lures that mostly it's a time of year deal. And that's the, you know, the only problem with it for tournament fishing is unlike the jackhammers year round, you know, so yeah. that's the only problem with it, but you catch some big fish on it when they're biting it. I mean, I remember when I first started throwing it at Havasu, I literally went into a backwater and just casted 360 degrees around the boat. Every cast was a fish. Oh my so, God. I mean, it was like incredible. I mean, from three to four or five pounders, you know, so when they were lakes that haven't seen it, I'm sure they'll bite it really good. So, well, I bet you there's a lot of those out east that they haven't seen a whole lot of rats. So, uh, yeah. All right. Sounds good. We're going to go into the other lure a little bit deeper. You talked about the jackhammer, yep. the stealth, and the regular there from Evergreen. We actually had B Height on, uh, not just, I think it was what, Aaron, like two or three episodes ago? It was. It was, actually. Yeah. And I told B Height, I said, man, you know, the stealth, it's, it's out there. You haven't seen a lot of guys using it as much yet. And, and he said, well, it's because everyone's on the down low with it and i was like oh, all right so i see that you were using it and i noticed that the u.s open last year there uh -huh. were some, some guys using it over there at lake mead and uh, yeah. so i like a lot of techniques and i'm obviously with your experience in the industry you see a lot of things move maybe you know from the west to the east and and a lot of techniques coming from the west that move east do you see the stealth as one of those players that's really popular out west kind of on the dl and it's going to start moving east and what situations do you see that this lure is excelling as it travels from west to east and eventually maybe becomes a staple for bass anglers tackle boxes yeah so i think mostly coming up here again in the early in the year is probably going to be a big deal with it finally because the whole key with that stealth blade is you have to wind it slow so once you know the fish are there, and that's why I chose it because I was fishing fast, but I was fishing slow next to the bush. So I was had that three eighths, and I could just wind it super slow with the speed craw on it. Floated it real well, and I could just wind it real slow next to that bush. So that's the whole key with that stealth blade. You can't cover water like a normal jackhammer. You have to know they're there, and you wind it slow through them, and it's so subtle but has that right vibration that they just can't help themselves but eat it. So I'm, I'm sure that guys think, like you said, a lot of guys have it on the down low, and I, I think they're just not really talking about it too much. Or they haven't fished it, and they go, oh, I can't cover water with it. Well, you know, you have to know they're there, and you wind it slow. It's That's the whole key with that bait. Gotcha. Do you use a lower gear ratio reel, or are you just still using, like, say, a 7 to 1 and just turning that handle slower? Do you get really slow with it and go, like, a 5 to 1? No, I'm I'm still using the 7 to 1 because okay. we, we all know a lot of the times you hook one, man, you got to catch up to that thing. Yeah. So those big ones especially. So I'm still, I'm just barely turning the handle, yeah, and just fishing it slow with my rod tip up. That's how I caught them. Very cool, man. Interesting conversation, fellas. We're going to power pull down for a short pause in the interview. We're going to be right back with more from Evergreen professional angler, Justin Kerr. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, 
PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by ProtectTheHarvest.com, returning with professional angler Justin Kerr in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Justin, you make your home there at Lake Havasu, uh, guiding there, I, I believe, on a regular basis. You know, you see a lot of pros living down in that area of the of the world, uh, Arizona specifically. And, and there's obviously other guys living all throughout California and things. But uh, yeah. Havasu is a special lake out west. What, what are some of the key midsummer patterns that take place there in the desert? Uh, yeah, so the desert, you know, it's, uh, we get super hot. And plus, like I, I'm about to say, I don't guide there very much okay. at all. One of my teammates, Sean Bailey, he guides there all the time. So uh, you need a good guy there. He, he's the one. So. Uh, Sean, okay, uh, I got gotcha. you. Yes, but uh, mid-summer patterns there, you know, we get super, super hot. And sometimes it seems like the hotter, the better, and which is crazy to say that, you know, and it's uh, 120 there right now. Wow. I'm actually out in California. So it's pretty hot there right now. So I don't do much fishing when it's like that. But usually the fishing is good when it's super hot. Frog bite and flipping will pretty much, and, you know, obviously throwing a rat will pretty much be all I would do from uh, now all the way into the fall. That's pretty much what we do there and deep crank a little bit. And uh, the lake's changed a lot in the last uh, seven or eight years. We've had some tournaments on big spawns, and I don't think they've spawned real well. And I think a lot of people have killed them over the last couple of years, eating them. You know, uh, we have a lot of snowbirds that come out there. Havasu's doubled in size in the last four or five years. So we've had a lot of people come in, I think, and they've killed a lot of fish. So tournaments now, it's like uh, eight to ten bites is a good day. You know, because you're fishing for those, you know, obviously better fish, and they're getting hard to catch, man. So it's a definitely changing place. But summertime is usually pretty good. Uh, a lot of guys aren't fishing, and uh, fishing can be good. We get grass that top out in 25 feet, so sometimes you can flip that deep flipping, you know, in 20 feet of water, which is a little different. But uh, Havis is just such a versatile place, and you have to always be able to change. And uh, I think that's why a lot of guys that live there and have come from there such good fishermen does it turn into a largemouth fishery in the summer or you know because obviously havasu's got a great smallmouth right. population is there still some anglers that can key on the smallmouth in the summer or are they yeah. like a lot of landlocked lakes where they just kind of disappear that time of year <laughs> no no okay. our smallmouth are different man our smallmouth are a lot different out there on that colorado river they're not like a normal smallmouth that this cold water fish i mean these fish love the heat and it's crazy to me how good they bite in the summer. <laughs> I catch a lot of smallmouth too and it's they're just different out there um a lot of them feed shallow they don't you know i mean do guys do catch them suspended and deep during the winter but most of the time you catch them shallow and they're just they're just a different fish from there to lake mead to mojave powell i don't fish there very much but when i have been there yeah i just, I just catch them shallow all the time they just live up shallow in the warm water and you go man that's a smallmouth it shouldn't be up here and you catch a three to five pounder you know so they're just a different breed they're, i think they're just used to that heat and they just act different very so. interesting hey justin you know kurt and i were talking uh before we jumped on to to actually record with you that i i posed the question to him i said you know what's up with seems like a lot of anglers out west specifically in arizona are kind of tied in with evergreen but you're kind of one mm -hmm. of the originals curious to know how did those relationships from you know a, a japanese company begin to develop in that region of the country yeah you know i, I think the japanese have always been uh kind of interested um people from the west coast i don't know if they're because they're innovative or you know you know many guys that are the best in the sport have come from the west coast so i don't know if that's why but they've always had a comfortable feeling with West Coast guys. And I just happened to get fortunate. And there was a Japanese kid that was coming out from, you know, obviously like Osaka area where uh, Evergreen is from. And he came out and fished uh, a lot of FLW tournaments. And I, you know, became friends with them and it kind of helped them out along the way here and there. And uh, John Morrow at the time was 
I believe, with Kanji, which was a tungsten company. Yeah. And uh, they were friends with uh, Evergreen, and they needed someone. They said, oh, we're going to maybe come out here and check out the U.S. And, you know, they've been around for 30 years, and their baits, I mean, most of the baits we use, they developed them 15, 20 years ago. So it's like they're unbelievable products, and, and a lot of people don't know. And we said, yeah, we'll check out Evergreen. And uh, Morrow chose uh, me, Brett, and uh, Sean. And they were super happy with that. And that was, uh, I think, 2008. And um, after that, it's been pretty much like family. They're super loyal people and uh, amazing company to work with. I couldn't ask for a better company, especially in this industry. Everyone knows how tough the industry is and super fortunate to be with them, make amazing products. Like, you know, I mean, what they sell in the States is not even a quarter of what they sell. So they have an amazing stuff, and uh, I'm sure, you know, besides the jackhammer, which everybody knows now and everyone has, you know, with partner with Z-Man, having that is a pretty amazing deal, and, and it seems like everyone owns one, and I'm pretty sure soon everyone will own a couple crankbaits too. If they <laughs> right. see. Um, they just make amazing stuff, and everything's high-end and designed by one designer for each bait, so... Just everything's done right. So you get to uh, shoot in some ideas here and there. I saw at the classic. Uh, I didn't see it personally, but I just saw at the classic that they uh, let out the mini shower blows. It's a little, uh-huh. the little one. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's gonna be a player, buddy. That's gonna I be know. a player. I know. You know, it. I haven't really messed with them too much. Um, I did get them last year a little bit before the open, but I got on something else. I didn't really throw it too much, but um, <laughs> most of the time that stuff's like designed by. Marizo. So uh, huh? what Marizo says for that, I you know they did let me design a, a little top water for Lake Mead, and uh, it works pretty good. It's a silent bait they have. It's uh, Justine, and uh, it's a three hook bait. I kind of made it kind of like that old Balsa Pro, and which was a good bait at Lake Mead, and you know silent, stealthy conditions. So that bait's real similar to that, and uh, it gets bit real well. Very cool. Anything else on the horizon for Evergreen that we should let the listeners know about new baits that they've released recently that they should take a peek at? Yeah, the two baits that they they came out with at the Classic, which I've been using for a while, is first is their Loud Buzz. It is super, super loud, just like it says. It reminds me of like the old Reaction Ovation Squeaky Dolphin, I think it was called. It reminds me of that bait. It's super, super loud. Um, you definitely have to run a trailer hook on it. It needs a little bit bigger hook on it. But I've been fishing it at Lake Mead for at least three years now. And I think I won one team championship on it. It might have been a Lucas team championship last year, the year before. Just super good bait. And uh, the other bait that we've been using for a long time is their uh, grass ripper. And they brought it out. to so swim jig. They definitely uh, stepped up the hook on there. They put the same hook that's in the stealth plate in it. And it's a swim jig. It's they make them in, I think, uh, from quarter to three uh, half ounce, I believe. And they just have awesome colors, same colors that are in the jackhammer. It's a really good swim jig. We've been using it for a long time. Awesome. Well, we'll have to be sure to check those out. Just before we get into our listener question for this episode, mm-hmm. I mentioned it earlier. The real deal is you're just a bass junkie. You've been a bass <laughs> junkie a long time. You're kind of one yep. of those guys that, that grew up into it and and has continued that that strong passion for the sport and innovation. And, you know, a friend of mine mentioned you even worked at RoboWorm for a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to get your insight on what that experience was like. And uh, do you enjoy that aspect of working in the industry from that manufacturer perspective? Uh, yeah, you know, working for RoboWorm, of course, to see that, you know, how that whole production went down. Uh, I was looking for a job still in between, you know, fishing and living at home. I think I was maybe 21 or 22 years old. And, you know, Greg and Mike have been good friends with me for a long time. And uh, they're like, yeah, sure. Come on in and pour some worms with us. And I'm like, okay, you know, check it out. The machine that Greg makes is to be that intelligent and to do that is like, something that's way beyond me, you know? So to see that whole aspect of the manufacturing process and how it goes down and how, you know, Mike is so into detail. If the worm doesn't look right, he'll throw it away, you know, start over. And that's just shows how good the company is. And uh, I've been with that company for a long time and friends before that. So it just shows that there is a lot of good people and good companies in this sport and how it all plays out. So what was your actual function there when you were working there for a few years? Worms in the bag. Worms in the bag. Yep. I love it. That is so cool. Worms in the bag and 
obviously I got a couple special runs here and there and uh you know it was it was a perfect way for me to be able to fish and uh work a little bit make some side money during the week and fish on the weekends or pro tournament comes up and they let me get off for a little bit so it didn't last long I decided you know I'm just gonna guide out west and fish in the tournaments but it was an awesome opportunity that's a cool experience. That's, you know, uh, Robo used to have the, and it wasn't actually that long ago that they changed their packaging. Maybe, I don't know, the past uh-huh. three years, but they used to do it old school with the plastic bag and they flipped it over and stapled the cardboard yeah, on it. The and, cardboard that said Robo Worm <laughs> in red and white. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. So. We didn't, I didn't have to do that. I just pretty much put them in the bag and someone put them in another process that would staple them. And you hear that stapler all day. Choo, 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 choo. <laughs> Because they were pushing worms, man. They still do, so it was it was pretty crazy. That's cool. And you, and you had a, a lot of Western anglers get their, you know, very successful Western anglers. Uh, Aaron Martin, mm-hmm. Mike Folkstad. Uh, I'm sure there were others. Uh, don't come to mind. So you got to do some custom pours. The cur worm. I haven't heard of the cur worm yet. Is it coming, or where are we at on that? I had it for a little bit. We call it curlicious. Curlicious. So we had, okay. It, we had it for a little bit. It was pretty much uh, like a green pumpkin, and it had a uh, uh, like chartreuse underneath with uh, some blue and copper flake in it. And we had it for a little bit, and then it kind of phased out a little bit, you know. So. Like- you know, time I'm, of year. I'm sitting here yeah. listening to the to this dialogue, and you know, I'm thinking album cover. You know, worms in the bag, curlicious. You know, I, 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 th- I think you, you got go. a second career right. here. Right, right. My kid's a, a really good drummer. He's only seven, but he's really good. So he might be making an album. We'll just throw those those names in there. That'd be so cool, man. This has been a great interview, Justin. Let, let's go into the listener question segment of the show presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Mike Silva sends in a great question. Mike's from South Carolina. Michael asks, what is the key to deciphering if bass are post-spawn or summer pattern? I've been fishing a long time, but I've never been able to truly tell the difference. So obviously, how my take on that whole deal is we really don't know a lot. You know, and obviously I learned that at Ray Roberts this week. I think I caught some spawning, some post-spawning, and that's the middle of June. So the only way I can see is most of the fish, you know, that are done post-spawn and they're in summer pattern are most of the time living in the grass or super deep. And uh, once they go to that stage, that's about it. That's when I know they're in a summer pattern. I'll fish them out deep or living in the grass. Gotcha. I think, too, you know, obviously, even as you just mentioned, maybe you caught some spawners at the Classic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And things happen throughout such a long process. I think, think, you know, some some anglers think, well, the bass are spawning, and then that lasts for three or four weeks or something. I really Mm -hmm. believe that these processes are so long and drawn out that you have bass that are in summer pattern and potentially bass that are still pre-spawn all at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, I, I see that, you know. Yeah, so so I would say to Michael, too, that there is no distinction between X and Y. It's just not that clear. It's a mm-hmm. blurry line all the way through, and depending on how you're attacking the lake will really decipher if you are targeting post-spawn fish in this situation. Right. Well, Kurt, I think you bring up a good point because I think human nature, right, is that we want to label everything. And, um, yeah. y- you know, your point to where you've got pre-spawn spawners and post-spawn, I mean, certainly we, the three of us on this conversation right now, we've all experienced that. But I'm pretty sure none of us are going to ask the fish, well, it wasn't in post-spawn, so I'm going to throw it back and go for a different one because I wanted to catch it in post-spawn. It's just a matter of paying attention, right, to kind of what's going on and and how we're targeting those and trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But, you know, Justin, you had mentioned that uh, kind of the the transition. Do you feel that post-spawn is more of a transition to get to, you know, to where they're going and then they hang out there for a while? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel with that, they're just trying to recoup on post-spawn most of the time. They're just recoupering. That's all they're doing is trying to get strong after the spawn and being caught a lot during the spawn and released. And, you know, I just think they just spend a lot of time just recouping. And that's why you catch them on top water and stuff like that a lot because they're, you know, just sitting out there. They're not relating to anything. They're just hanging out, just trying to get better. So 
I think, you know, most of the time when you're fishing like that, that's why you're catching those fish. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, certainly, Justin, thank you for answering Michael's question. And Michael, just want to let you know that there is one more step that we need you to take, and that is simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab. Fill out the information. Let us know that you heard Justin answer your question on Episode 356 of Bass Edge. Continue to remind our all Bass Edge Nation listeners, we can't pick every question, but we try to get them all on the show. Keep firing them in through the website. Simply click the Ask the Pros tab or leave those comments and questions on our Facebook or Instagram media pages, and we will continue to get as many questions as we can get answered here on the show. Well, Justin, I uh, appreciate the time today. It's been truly a pleasure getting to uh, to know you a little bit better and uh, hearing your story and kind of your thoughts and, and kind of really raising all of our IQ in Bass Edge Nation. Any thoughts that you want to leave us with as we uh, shut this episode down? Uh, yeah, thought-wise, you know, um, my whole thing is keep a goal. Try to set yourself goals in bass fishing if you really want to do this and fish hard as much as you can and, and try to reach those goals. And no matter how long it takes, you know, as long as you can hit the goals, it, 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 that's all worth it. Yeah, for sure. Justin, what's next on your schedule? What do you got coming up this summer? We're into July now. You're going to be back at the U.S. Open, I assume, in the fall. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I got, uh, you know, obviously Western stuff. I got uh, some MLF Toyota Series and uh, the Delta next month. And uh, I'm going to fish some bass opens. Uh, I got the rest of the centrals there in October. So I got those. And then uh, obviously U.S. Open and a couple team championships I got. So uh, hopefully I have a good pull and, and uh, you know, continue. Always keeping a busy tournament schedule, man. It's great stuff. Keeping yeah. you on the water, keeping things fresh. And do you usually practice a lot? I'm, I'm getting into a couple other questions here. But do you usually practice yeah, a lot for events or, or do you just do a couple days and you're good? Just usually a couple days. I feel out west. You know, I've been fishing out west for so long. Obviously, I don't get the opportunity, even if I went out east, to go, you know, more than two or three days just with the kids and stuff. So most of the time, yeah, I get two or three days, and especially out west. Like I said, I know the places. I've been there, and I fish kind of the same areas that I've always have because I feel I can win in those areas. And you know, I feel if I don't get on them in two or three days, I probably won't. It wouldn't take me a week, you know. So right, right, right. The, the two days I feel, you know, and and the two days before the tournament are the most important anyway. It's not what you did the week before. So I kind of keep that in mind. I usually get get there the day, and then I fish for two days, and then I fish the tournament. So that's usually how I've always I've done it for a long time. Is get about two days, two and a half days. Good yeah. perspective. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's, it's great stuff, man. Justin, man, it's been a great time chatting with you here at Bass Edge and, and exploring all that yep. fishing knowledge that you get. Man, I look forward to seeing you this fall at the U.S. Open. Appreciate your time here. Thank you very much. Thanks for all having right. me. It's fun. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge will be back with Aaron and I after this broadcast. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. 
Be at home with nature with nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings at wildwings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie, and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sassino. I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish and usually in a fishing situation, going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up. I can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with them. Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge and sign up for an exclusive offer to Bass Edge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off your next order of nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings. As that interview went on, uh, you know, obviously a great interview, but I wrote down two things, perspective and goals. Yeah, Justin's got those for sure. I love the fact that he is a bass freak, right? Just been a bass nut since day one, you know, working at Robo Worm and just coming through the Western ranks and dominating over there. And, and it just seems like whatever he's done in life, he has tried to work through and meet some kind of goal, not really, you know, overstepping his personal foresight, you know, I mean, like, why haven't you, you know, we asked him, why haven't you gone further? And, and he's not really like pushing it to that level, to the national level. If it happens, he's happy to take that step. But uh, he's got a great perspective to achieve personal goals, things that are in front of him that he knows are legitimately achievable, I guess you might say. And, um, you know, you got to break this down to the book uh, with Dr. J, right? I know. Psychology. It's crazy how things always come back to the mental aspect, you know? It is. And, and I think it does because he's driven with that passion. Passion of bass fishing eats him up in a good way every day. Uh, he thinks every day about how to catch bass, about how to improve whatever it is, maybe his sponsorships with Evergreen and, and the other you know companies that he's associated with. But he's constantly thinking about how to catch a bigger, better bass and, and have fun in the game and sport of bass fishing. So I think that's what Dr. J runs through. You know, he talks about the mind and, and how you've got to be able to uh, focus and, um, you know, when you have obstacles, you know, have the right perspective to achieve goals, which um, I think when you take it all into a big uh, formula that Justin Kerr has been successful at uh, achieving yeah. those things. So that's how right then segment uh, B there where we were talking about changing environment. I mean, fishing is a it's just a changing dynamic. And uh, certainly you know, with, of course, you're, you're referencing the psychology of exceptional fishing and that blueprint that he's laid out in, in two books, the revised edition and the old edition. So certainly both of those can be found on BassEdge.com. But uh, great episode, Kurt. Hats off to you again for putting together another really, really good episode. But we Don't are... forget to get your rat, Aaron. Get, get that rat. Yes. Get rat. <laughs> it's coming out heavy. <laughs> <laughs> for sure but uh we have reached uh, kind of the end of our rope here and it's time to shut down uh any any final thoughts as we, Man, as just, we shut this down you know uh, continually thinking bass edge nation for uh, just being a part of the podcast so that we have this great podcast you know don't forget to keep following us on those social platforms instagram much more active there uh over the last 12 months uh so you know be sure to follow us there on instagram still you know post Posting regular updates on Facebook and always want your feedback. Continue to bring those questions in, and uh, and it's just great to have everybody as part of the show. Absolutely, I second that, and uh, we will proceed. And hopefully, everybody gets to uh, now transfer over into their boat and get out on the water and have some fun and put some of this knowledge to use. So, for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin, and we look forward to seeing you right here in a couple weeks as Kurt uh, hopefully maybe gets us Jacob Wheeler on the line. So long, everybody. The 
Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.